in the black, black, black boxes that we call websites, that we call apps. So in this pure darkness that these websites represent, there's a single light that's shining for us since 2005, enlightening us with sessions, with users, with page views, with insights to make our websites better and to create apps that people actually understand and can use. This is hardcore history. The Google Analytics are... Sorry. Okay. No, sorry. I was, I was a little bit driven away because today it's, it's history lesson. And so, of course, I'm, I'm so sorry. So, of course, this is not hardcore history. And hardcore history is a format that I cannot compare myself with in any time. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's the mother of podcasts, at least for me. Sorry that I made this reference, but oh, I couldn't hold it. So, um, history of Google Analytics 4. So, this is basically our first real episode that we doing in this Google Analytics podcast. And I mean, of course, we have to start with the history because um, it's called Google Analytics 4. So we can basically assume that there was a one and two and three and now four. So how, how do we end up with the version four? And why do we call it four now when there was not a clear one, two, three, before. I mean, these are very good questions and we, we should really maybe just starting by going back and recounting the Google Analytics versions. And so by that, learn a little bit um, where Google Analytics is coming from. And what I can already tell you is like the versioning, at least I assume, I haven't talked, I should have, if I would be a great journalist, I would have do a bunch of uh, investigations and talk with people at Google about that, but I didn't. So <laughs> I did what a poor journalist would do and just search the internet. And let's say the most public opinion about 1234 is basically like that these versions represent the tracking code versions of Google Analytics, which kind of makes sense. I mean, not totally if we would go really into detail, but let's use this to explain the versioning. And we're now going backwards. So we today we will not, will not talk a lot about Google Analytics 4, so we have so many episodes for that. But today we will go backwards and see what were the versions that were coming before. And so, if we go back in time, of course, like there, there must be a version one. And I would even go more back into time. <laughs> Let's talk about the version zero, the version no one talks about. Now, actually, a lot of people know that. So Google Analytics was not created initially by Google. Um, this is something that happens pretty often, especially like um, in, in startup world that bigger companies like Google or, for example, like Adobe. So Adobe didn't create Adobe Analytics. Um, they just buy a company that has an analytics tool. Um, and Google 
or urgent analytics. And so Google Analytics before was urgent analytics. And like all, or I would say most, I don't know, all analytics tools at that time, and we are talking about 2005 here, let's say most of the analytics tools at that time were basically iterations that were coming from log file analysis. And not to go into too much detail here, log file analysis was basically the birthplace of website analytics. Because when someone comes to the website, um, the server that is serving the website um, creates a log, an access log. And in this access log, there's some kind of information. So what kind of page has been served, um, where maybe this person come from. So basically everything which is within the HTTP protocol. So we don't go into details here, but the first analytics tools often like built internally were basically just log file analysis tools. And so they took all the access logs and let's just go through and said, okay, maybe let's see how many people actually um, requested this page and looked at this page and so on. So these were the first analytics tools. And Urchin was basically also like an internal tool that was doing this um, log file analysis. But um, as they immediately discovered it's quite a useful thing because as i said at the beginning it's like websites are basically black boxes so you put it out and if you don't use some kind of analytics of course like you don't know what what is happening on your website so um analytics was really like the first time that let people glance into the website and to understand usage of it and so urchin was quite successful and we still see one thing coming from this zero version uh, into our current setups and these are the UTM parameters which are basically urgent tracking module parameters and which were there from the beginning and so urgent basically made it and I guess this is also like a little bit of a head tip from Google also like to the original version that they still kept the UTM parameters and now they are basically how to say data pub culture um, so Google acquired urgent in 2005 and 2006 um, renamed the whole service and tool um, to Google Analytics. And as far as I can remember, so I basically used it in 2006. Um, so as you can see, um, I'm a little bit older. So um, I, I can tell you, I can at least call myself like an early adoption user of Google Analytics. And as far as I can remember, it was initially, I think, connected with Google Ads or Google AdWords it was called at that days so i think you had to have a, an adwords account so that you could get a google analytics account and it was not open for everyone in the beginning because they were struggling a lot with server infrastructure and uh, so i mean these server in 2005 and it's not so long ago i mean they that it was totally different to what we have today so of course like this kind of amount of data was really a problem to serve it to too many people and so they basically open it up in some maybe batches or so. I think it took me a bit until I get access. I think I got then access uh, when it was publicly available. And so got the first Google Analytics account and used it in the company I was working at that time. And it was kind of a revelation. So I won't go into detail because it will be an episode of its own, but it was kind of my my initiation into this whole analytics and data world so to see oh wow what what we can do and so but it's still it was 
compared to, to GA, how we know it today, I mean, it was a very, very simple tool in the end. It was not so nice, nice to look at it, but I mean, websites at that time were not really nice to look at, uh, which also had a little bit to do with web technology. And and it didn't have some kind of essential features. So for example, my uh, like my major memory of this 2006 version was like, uh, it didn't have uh, segmentation. So the only way to segment stuff was basically like to create a filter, create a new view. So if you wanted to know, okay, how do people behave that come from organic search, they um, you had to create a filter for that. And then you had to wait two days until the data arrives in this filtered view. And then you figured out that you did something wrong in the filter setting, and then you had to um, redo it and then wait two days and then data. So it took a lot of time to do this and I, so I was so happy when at some point segmentation was introduced, really basically because of that. So that was the 2006 version and it got hugely popular. Um, so I think, so there were of course like other analytic solutions around and all of them, but of course cost money because it's really expensive to, to do this hardware wise. But for Google, it was kind of a promotion tool in a way, I assume. I mean, I haven't looked into their strategy papers, but since it was connected with Google AdWords at the time, and so I think it was always seen in a way like in some kind of extension for the AdWords uh, program because like when people understand how well the Google AdWords um, traffic converts on their website of course they will invest more money into Google AdWords and so and Google Analytics can tell them how it basically then converts on the website so it was definitely helping them to then in the end get more people into into AdWords and, and to, to use it like this. And fun fact, I think in the 2006, I'm not 100% sure, but 80% sure, we even could see the keywords that people were using when they were organically using Google before they came to the website. So this gone away at some point, also like a hint that... Google was pushing Google AdWords because in AdWords you always get the keywords that were driving the traffic to your website. And so like you still see a lot of stuff in Google Analytics, which is basically a little bit optimized for Google AdWords, but as say so. We we don't want to go down into this rabbit hole. So this was basically like the the zero version and like the initial version. And when when it got renamed into Google Analytics, it was became basically like the what we call today like the classic version. And so it's um, it initially had a synchronous library tracking pixel, which was quite a fun because it already so like of course you had to load the, the script itself, and then you basically had to wait until the tracking request goes out and it's blocking stuff. And so uh, a real nightmare for webmasters. And so yes, we called these people webmasters at that time. There was basically um, a, a job description. I am the webmaster. I was basically never a webmaster, but I worked with a lot of webmasters and. I mean, load time, of course, was important, but it was not so high important like it is today, but still, like, of course, like the, the connection was so slow. Uh, everything that was slowing it down was not so cool. And so um, everyone was happy when in 2009 then came the asynchronous script, and that was at least not blocking the website to send out some kind of tracking. I mean, it still has to be loaded, but since it's there, then it got out. And 2008 was basically like my major event because in 2008, and so it was not so long after they released it, so two years, um, GA got segmentation. And so for me, this was like Christmas. I thought, oh, wow, 
the time that I wasted in creating views with filters was basically gone. And segmentation still is one of my favorite uh, things that I use in analytics tools, in whatever analytics tools. Segment, I love them for several reasons. So some reasons you already know. And so basically then in 2009 also came um, the version 4 of classic analytics and so you can see so we have some versions there and but they were not really heavily communicated so i didn't know until i researched for this episode that there was a version 4 of classic analytics but there was and so this version basically introduced um, for example unique users and the concept of unique users we will we will see in this podcast later because this is like the thing that now kind of creates the problems that we have with cookies and consent and so on because you need a cookie to identify a unique user so you have to add a specific value in a cookie and then check okay um, is there a ga cookie value and then if yes uh, we can count or we can basically remember this user and can say okay this is a user and so we have a unique user metric um in 2011 um it got a very drastic facelift and so i can remember that some people were confused some people were happy but you basically could see at that point of time that ux and the user experience of analytics was really coming on the agenda and i think that was a significant thing that sometimes i think is underestimated uh, for the success of GA. And so there were two aspects, I think, three aspects that made Google Analytics successful in their, let's say, first five to six years. And one, of course, it was free. Uh, so it's hard to compare, compete with free, but free can be a crappy product. So don't, free is not the, like, the essential thing that gets you on this. And the second thing was like, Google was always faster than the others. And so Google invested into technology pretty early on. I mean, of course, like they had the team to do it and they had the knowledge to do it, but still like they, they introduced sampling um, to on, just on, on the purpose to make the report loading quick. And I think this was really like the major game changer. So when I had friends who worked in different companies and worked with different tools, the major complaint they always had was like loading time. So it was really like, so sometimes um, unless you prepared the data in some way, uh, you really sometimes had to wait, I don't know, two, three minutes or so until your data was loaded. And, and GA, I mean, it was not snappy, but um, it was quite quick for, for analytics tools at that time. And the third one, which I think is mostly underestimated, is like the amount of effort that GA put into uh, user experience, put into UI. And so the UI you see today, and yeah, there are some problems with 4, and we will talk about it, but the UI you see today is basically built over years and optimized over years. And I still basically really like um, the um, the, the user experience of, of GA and so over other user experiences. I mean, of course, it needs training and so on. Uh, not a big surprise because, um, yeah, it's, it's something you have to learn. But still, I find it quite intuitive once you get at least kind of an idea how you should, how you should work with this kind of tool. This was basically 2011, and now when we can move a little bit further in the uh, in the past, ah, so I just missed. In 2011, also came the real-time reports, which was quite fascinating at that time, and I was really, really hoping that this 
could really get us some kind of real-time analytics at that time, but it never really happened. So um, the real-time reports were just there and there was not really a lot of work going on there and they never really changed over the time, but they were a good tool for, for debug things. And so for that, totally fine. And 2012, GTM came around. So of course connected to, to Google Analytics, not totally different tool, but also, like it changed a lot how we implemented Google Analytics from that time on. And that was important because in 2012 and mostly like 2013, um, we basically had the first major version shift. And so um, Google announced in 2012 um, a universal analytics. And it was publicly available then in 2013. And yeah, it was basically 10 years ago. And so we got a new um, tracking code. So um, it was then Analytics.js, and we often refer to it like this. So do you use Classic or do you use the Analytics.js uh, implementation? And so the universal term basically Google added because um, at that time we saw the rise of mobile. And so like the iPhone was around for some years already. And so like adoption rates of mobile was really, really, really big and really uh catching on and like there were already some specific um, analytics services for for mobile analytics and so google thought maybe it's a great idea when we create something universal uh, and so that you can basically um, have everything in one tool so mobile so your mobile app analytics and your web analytics and so on so they thought this is a great idea um, spoiler, <laughs> it did not work. So what, what they did was not really helping. Their first um, implementation of a mobile SDK was basically like a web SDK just basically put into shape to work for mobile. And of course it was okay, but it was never really working. And this also like explains why there could uh, be um, a category of mobile analytics um, tools like like Mixpanel and Amplitude starting out and then really growing quickly because they basically understand understood the need of, of mobile analytics persons a lot better than Google does. And so Google basically not really ignored it but came up with a very sloppy solution and so yeah and also all called universal analytics. It was reshaping how Google Analytics was working. I mean, still, like the tracking uh, code and the, the, the basic data model was basically the same, like the classic one, but it introduced new stuff and so it enabled them to basically create new new reports over time. And so, and one interesting thing is like also, um, they had a migration process. So at some point, so you could start to use uh, Universal and I think you could even actively migrate your classic property into Universal Universal property, and at some point they just did it automatically. So in 2016, they basically migrated all classic properties into Universal One, and it worked great. So nothing really serious happened, and so it was really fine. So you could kept the data that you have collected before and have it. Something we will talk about uh, when we talk about four, because this is most likely not going to happen. So um, anything else? What? brought us universal. Um, one thing, like, it introduced the user ID as a new standard dimension. So also, like, I mean, coming from the mobile world and coming from other uh, new business model, like, the user ID became important because people can log in and so you can identify e them even across the cookie value. And that was quite interesting. Also, like, I think a really great addition and important one are the addition of custom dimension and custom metrics. So um, by that, we really had the opportunity to create 
uh, specific dimensions for specific use cases. And so there were standard use cases. So for example, putting the client ID into a dimension or maybe creating a session ID and put it in dimension. But I mean, it, it depended on, on the kind of business model. And I think one important thing that also got introduced uh, with universal analytics was enhanced e-commerce. And for me, I think also like an underestimated feature, enhanced e-commerce basically made Google the number one uh, analytics solution for, for e-commerce. And so because it basically covered a very broad generic setup that you can create with it. So you had really specific e-commerce reports. So you could follow your users from the typical um, user journey in an online shop. So like arriving on the website, going to a detail page, adding stuff to a cart, and then uh, going to the checkout and purchase something. And so you could get this easily. Uh, not easily. The implementation was quite tricky. But still, if you have done the implementation, um, you really had a very powerful um, e-commerce um, reporting and that for most people basically was I don't know the standard reporting of a lot of time until today and so this came with universal analytics and in 2016 basically they shifted a little bit the way how they handled Google Analytics and so Google Analytics was always like they were not really over communicating stuff it was more like um, some stuff get out about back channels and so it was not highly promoted and so on in 2016 they really highly promoted their launch of GA360 and so um, they also introduced Data Studio at that time and Google Optimized and then the Marketing Cloud and so on. And so this was basically like they, they showed their vision. So like uh, really like with the 360 suite for paying customers to basically get everything under the hood and basically get into the same space that Adobe Analytics was already there. So um, with the Marketing Cloud, like the, this deep integration between GA and then what was former DoubleClick and then our Marketing Cloud and so that everything works automatically, magically, hand-in-hand, hand, which of course it doesn't, but still, like, still, it's like, it's, it's a deep integration that you can get. And so this was 2016 where they basically launched this. And 2017, they also launched a new um, tracking script which is called gtag.js and so which we now maybe can call the the version number three um and so which was mostly like their approach to unify the tracking code for um google analytics for google adwords and for gtm and so that you basically just need one script and so they thought they make it simple and well, in reality they didn't because people were still putting different kind of gtags on a website and I don't know, maybe there were some other reasons why they, why they were doing it, but it was not really making the whole implementation more simple. But it gave us a new um, tracking um, pixel, but not really so much new features with that. But, so now comes the important part about the history, because we are now taking a sidestep. We are now going into a different history, and we have to do this, because um, it's important. Um, to learn um, something about Firebase. Because um, the, the history of GA4 is a history of two tracks. And the, the first track is the Google Analytics track, and I just, the Google Analytics history, and I just, just um, yeah, basically uh, laid this out. And so now we're talking about Firebase, because this is important. So Firebase, Firebase as Urchin was basically a different company. So it was founded as, um, as a company, which is called Firebase. And their product was nothing to, had nothing to do with analytics. It was a real-time database. 
and um, and it was launched or it was created in 2012. And I can tell you, doing real time stuff in 2012, and it still is today. But in 2012, that was really something new. And so I, for example, used it for. Um, a personal project of mine where I created some some web application stuff was using the uh, first version of Angular and Firebase um, to create um, a real-time behaving application. That was really, really cool because only the big, cool companies could do this kind of stuff of real-time, so Twitter or so, which was not totally real-time, but closer to real-time. And of course, like all the chatting websites, of course, had real-time as well. And so with Firebase, you could build it pretty easily on, on your own. And so, for example, I used to this to create a real-time application. And so Firebase got a lot of attention and so much attention that in 2014, um, they were acquired by Google. And so we then later learned why, why Google did this. And so, I mean, Google had to come, wanted to come up with um, a foundation for a mobile backend platform or backend as a service platform. And so at that time, Facebook Pass was quite popular. And so a lot of mobile apps were using Facebook Pass to basically serve as a backend for mobile app because like mobile was a lot of stuff happening in the front end within the app. And you needed just a simple backend to basically persist um, the data and maybe to run some calculation on the backend, but not you didn't really need it a full-fledged backend. Um, and so Facebook Pass was a very simple backend as a service. And maybe Google thought, well, we have Android out there, and so we want to be present in this space as well. And so they took Firebase, the Firebase acquisition. And I think they acquired also one or two other companies. And then in 2016, they announced the Firebase platform. And that was quite a big bang too so as you can see in 2016 a lot of stuff happened the 361 was announced and also like firebase but both were not really combined and weren't totally related at that time at least you couldn't see it but uh, with the 2016 release they introduced firebase analytics and so this this was the their first approach into uh, mobile analytics, real approach. So not like this crappy SDK that they did before. This was really built, mobile analytics built from scratch. And also like learning from the others around, like Mixpanel Amplitude were there already for some years. And so there were a lot of best practices around how you do this. And so it was fully user and event focused. So it, it still had, I think they still had this weird screen thing but in the end like the the, the first uh, first class citizens were really like user and events and so because you have this in the mobile environment um organically and so you don't really have to do it and so i can say like i, I used it immediately and i was really pumped a lot of people were there and um so a lot of people were really also like hoping oh yeah so they do it now for mobile and maybe in a year they do it for web too but yeah we will come to that so it, it was an early product as well. So there were some weird stuff. So I can still remember that, for example, like um, you could define parameters for an event. So um, what do you call it? also I call today properties. So like, okay, you have newsletter subscribed and then you can maybe put in on which page someone has uh, subscribed. And in the early version of Firebase Analytics, you couldn't see the, uh, the parameters in the report. So yeah, it, it of course, like it, it had to grow. And so it was really early version, but it really had some great stuff in it, like I said. So it was user and event focus and it had a, the different event model that um, like the other 
uh, tools like Mixpanel or Amplitude were using. And so this was really great uh, to, to have this kind of stuff. And um, and I think it was from the early on, but I don't know, but it was quite early, you could get all the raw data into BigQuery. And there was no sampling. And so this was a lot of stuff, like stuff that annoyed everyone uh, who worked with the normal web Google Analytics thought, wow, this is so much great stuff. And this was the reason why we all ask ourselves, okay, when can we use it for the web? But it was a mobile analytics product. And so it got renamed over time. So first it was Firebase Analytics, then it got Google Analytics for Firebase. And in the end, it was just Google Analytics with a Firebase property. And so they merged it more and more into, into the GA platform. And they also did at least one or two really major rebuild uh, of the whole thing so that it can really um, create... Um, that it can stick with the no sampling model so that it basically can even create something that usually would have really like he heavy calculations uh, that it can really do this pretty fast and pretty quickly. And so, um, and with this integration into Google Analytics, also like by the name, but also like um, by the feature, so you could merge the Google DNA, Google Analytics DNA was was a little bit, getting more and more into the Firebase Analytics um, DNA as well. So like the, the front end changed a little bit. Sometimes I think also like the namings, they changed a little bit so that it come came closer uh, to, to each other. And in the end, it was really like that. You even, you still had a Firebase Analytics console in the Firebase product, um, but the major stuff was really happening when you go over to, to, to GA and see your Firebase property there. And... So this all ended up, and not so much long afterwards. So in the end, it was 2019. So basically three years after Firebase Analytics was launched, the web app property was announced. And they didn't really do a lot of buzz around it. So it was just there. And so, of course, like the, the blogs reported about it. But I would say in the, in the analyst industry, it was quite big news because there was this web thing that we were always waiting for when we were working with Firebase. So now you could basically use the same approach from Fire, original Firebase. So like the event model with event name and event properties and um, the user-focused um, data model so that everything is around the user and you can use this for web applications. And you also got the data into BigQuery for free, which was before for web or still is, um, at least in the universal one, um, a paid feature that you only can get with 360. And, um, and it was really emerging the whole space of creating data stacks. And so, of course, you wanted to have some raw data. And now it was there. So you can just create the new web app property. It was really, really alpha better when it came out. So, um, I mean... Of course, like it was basically based on the on the Firebase um, implementation. So, of course, it had a lot of stuff in it, but I mean, it didn't really work hand in hand with this whole web approach. And so, this this was something that then had had to happen over time, and then it led to GA four because at some point Google announced. Um, the web app property, which wasn't like not the fancy brand name that you would sell stuff to, was basically becoming GA four. And now here we are. So um, GA4 is basically the old web app property with all this history of, of Google Analytics on the one side and Firebase on the other side. And I think the important thing is the reason why I did this kind of history 
is that um, in the end, you, it, it's really helpful to know where Google Analytics is coming from because this explains more how universal analytics is working. And this also explains more why GA4 is totally different to universal analytics. It's basically Firebase Analytics. And Firebase Analytics just took over Google Analytics because it was the newer implementation and it was basically optimized for a world that is now present. So the old GA was built for websites and these old kind of websites, so where you basically have a page view. So you click a link and a new page, the server serves a new page and loads it um, to your browser. And so like the, the whole GA still until UA was heavily based on this page view based model. But mobile apps were totally different. So the screen was not really so important, more like the interaction that users were doing. And with the rise of single page applications where you basically load a JavaScript library or basically your website as a JavaScript code and then basically load, do one page load and then do everything on this page just by JavaScript, which basically is not triggering any page load at all. We really have like this application kind of thing. And the web is getting more and more closer to how we do mobile apps. And so it's it's natural that Firebase Analytics basically now becomes the major model for the new GA. And so, yeah, this is basically the history, how, how Google Analytics came to where it is right now. And now we are in this interesting phase where for the first time in history, Google Analytics is really creating basically a new product that has the same name, it has the same purpose, but it's a total remodel. It has nothing to do or not so much to do uh, with the stuff that has happened before. And this, for example, also explains why migration is not that easy in that part because everything is based on a different model. But we get to this in different kind of episodes. And so this is also like where we go into the next episode is really like to look at the data model because this is... We now have the historic background and in the next episode you will learn what, what makes it so different in, in the data model in this different kind of versions. So I'm really looking forward to have you in the next episode and I wish you uh, a great day and maybe we can also do some more history stuff because it's so much fun. <laughs> have a good day. <laughs>